Welcome to Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. In this interview, I sit down with the man, the legend, Leon Brooks. He's an Aikido master, a sci-fi enthusiast, professional reenactor, and a tall ship sailor. Our discussion touches on African and African-American maritime history, seasickness, washing blood off decks, Aikido, reenacting, science fiction, his first time being a quote-unquote starship captain with his crew, and much more. I really hope you enjoy this interview with this incredible character, Mr. Leon Brooks. Yeah, that kind of happens, right? You, you, like when we were in Baltimore and... You know, you're out and about a town, and you say, oh, this is about the tall ship sailors. <laughs> yeah, well, tall ship sailors, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> like, like, the old joke was always like, okay, is it a bum? <laughs> or, like, is it a homeless person? Yeah. Or a hippie? Or a tall ship sailor? <laughs> yeah, this, the, the, <laughs> you, you just the, can't, you know, the scruff immediately <laughs> hits you. <laughs> we had one guy, oh my gosh, who was on Hawaiian Chieftain, and... and he came back, and you know, we always have musters every night. You know, we have a meeting, and he's like, "Yeah." So I was walking around town, and uh, these nice people came up to me and gave me a bag and said, "Here you go, sir. Have a nice day." And he's just like, "What's this?" And and it, it, it like pulls, you know, it opens his bag, and it's got like, you know, the, the Lord will be with you, and He'll take care of you. Don't worry. Going through these hard times, he's like, "What?" And he realizes he they thought he was homeless, and he looks in the bag, he's like. Yeah, and it had shampoo and soap, and I was like, you know what? I need that. <laughs> oh, tails. Yeah, talking about the tails, it's like, yeah, eating. So, because I never, I never noticed it until um, I was on the Liberty Clipper, mm. and it was, you know, and we'd done transits. Like I'd done transits on different boats, but it's usually like like two, three days, not mm. like a week or two weeks and this this had been 11 days solid with one stopover in Charleston it was pretty brief and and then we had yard period for, for a few weeks so we're only we had only been on the boat sailing for 11 days and then only with all of us surrounding each other mm-hmm. for like like a, a few weeks and then then I left I, I, I oftentimes after a contract I'd go vacation somewhere so this time I went to Scotland and, and uh, I think I, I think I had a friend's wedding I was going to there and I sat there at a cafe you know, so I hadn't sat down in any place that wasn't a boat to eat for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And I sat down and I hunched over my food and I was grabbing my plate and like, just like, like we're, like we're out at the middle of the ocean, you know? And, and I, I look around, I see everyone and it's Europe. Of course, the people are even more formal. Everyone's sitting up straight and, you know, eating with their knives and forks properly. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's true. Like, like. You can spot a sailor by the, you know, by the way they eat their food and their elbows on the table. And, you know, that's that type of thing. All right, well, welcome everybody. Welcome to Nautical Knowledge and Nonsense. Uh, my name is Captain Johan. I'm here with Leon Brooks, the legend in the flesh. Leon Brooks. Um, Leon is an amazing deckhand extraordinaire aboard uh, the AJ Meerwald currently. And... Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically, for those of you that are listening, uh, well, we don't have video, so you can only be listening to this, but I'm sitting across from a beautiful human being, a dashingly handsome man that's somewhere, it's hard to tell where Morgan Freeman kind of ends and Denzel Washington begins, but uh, absolutely beautiful African-American man named Leon Brooks, who 
is is a legend. You you actually uh, it's not a joke. Uh, tell well, well I don't know where where to begin because uh, you're an Aikido master. You were into sci-fi before it was a thing. Uh, you did computer tech and all sorts of. Uh, I mean, you just you, you've been all over the board and just can't make up my mind what I would do, what I, what <laughs> yeah. go up and do <laughs> reenactments, tall ships. I mean, I want to talk about all of this, and but let's. Uh, what got you into tall ships? Uh, basically, as a reenactor, uh, I had uh, enlisted in Glover's Regiment, 14th Continental. Uh, I had been a reenactor uh, for, for since 2001 as a soldier in 6th Regiment, United States Colored Troops, uh, Civil War reenactor, and 1st Rhode Island Regiment. Uh, these were um, uh, black regiments in the Civil War and Revolutionary War. Uh, and um, I've been involved with those for a while. And um, as a revolution, uh, Revolutionary War, uh, we started participating in Washington's Crossing. And basically, we were, you know, uh, as soldiers um, from uh, Rhode Island, so to speak, uh, not necessarily first Rhode Island, that, at, because at that point, at Washington's Crossing, uh, the Continental Army's Black Regiment hadn't been formed, uh, it wouldn't be formed until 1778, but there were still blacks um, in a among the Continental Line, not a Black Regiment. And usually we, we, we posted on the opposite bank, secure the opposite bank where Washington uh, made, and the troops made their landing. And um, so that was a big Christmas Day event. Then around 2011, I, I think I decided to uh, see what it looked like on the other side. <laughs> and... Uh, hung out with uh, the Glovers, uh, 14th Continental, uh, famous Marbleheaders, uh, portraying Marbleheaders from Marblehead, Massachusetts. Uh, your, some people describe them as your first Marines. Okay, <laughs> but you know, basically uh, mariners, fishermen, that formed this unit and coordinated uh, the crossing for uh, Washington's troop, uh, Glover, and uh, his his regiment, and so I participated in it, and um, uh, it was and saw you know there's a whole other side that isn't portrayed in reenactments about you know the the, the mariners who were of course uh, essential. I mean, we couldn't have one American re Revolution without their contribution. Uh, beyond just crossing the river, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and uh, so uh, also, uh, I, you know, because I had you know previous Navy training and, um, and temporary active duty with the Navy, and uh, but nobody ever talked about the naval side of it, you know. So and also saw uh, opportunity. A friend of mine. Um, Noah Lewis, Noah Lewis, he portrays a historic uh, um, 
black revolutionary hero, Ned Hector. And I said, hmm. I said, well, maybe there's a niche here for me uh, to kind of portray um, generic uh, general uh, maritime impression um, for a Revolutionary War sailor. And um, so I decided to enlist the Glovers and participate. And it so happens that the uh, coxswain of, of, of our Durham boat, just the type of boat that we use in crossing the Delaware, the historic ore boats, um, was a, a John, he was a um, member of the Philadelphia Ship Preservation Guild that um, owns the uh, Gazella docked in Philadelphia, Philadelphia's tall ship. Mm -hmm. And uh, he referred me down to the Gazella so I can, I had a feeling like maybe if I got some hands-on experience on a tall ship, it would help inform my impression, uh, uh, get more into the details of what it was like uh, being on a tall ship, you know. And it took on a uh, took on a life of its own, basically. <laughs> okay, so so is Via Gazella volunteering and mm. helping do maintenance there? Yeah, she's an awesome boat. Yeah. If, if folks get a chance to head to Philly and see her, um, just incredible, and always needs work. So if you get a chance to volunteer, yeah, I did, we better. did get to sail. Get to sail a few times. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, so I, yeah, I guess Gazella is separate from. Is it uh, Independent Seaport? Yeah, uh, separate. Yeah, there, which which also is amazing. If you haven't been to Independent Seaport, oh man, they got the last dreadnought, uh, the Olymp it was Olympia. Yeah, Olympia. Olympia. Mm -hmm. Frick, amazing boat. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. <laughs> the sub. They got submarine, of course, and mm -hmm. but uh, the Olympia just blew my mind. So yeah, okay, so that's what we got you in it. Yeah, a lot of people. It, well, I don't want to speak for all of the citizens of the United States, but. Uh, I know most people, I would say, definitely know about uh, Black Americans in the in the Civil War. You know, fifty mm. fourth was it Massachusetts? Fifty fourth, Massachusetts, fifty fourth. They were very very famous unit made famous by Glory, uh, the movie. Yeah, they were uh, what, uh, going back to what something like one hundred sixty five regiments of the United States Colored Infantry. Wow. But everybody sees Massachusetts. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> that's it. But there were uh, many more. And you, they, they end up earning altogether something like um, 24 medals of honor between the Army and the Navy. Incredible. Captain, the Navy is due, right? <laughs> yeah, it seems like the Navy gets the short end of the stick there. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, yeah, I remember watching the movie Glory and just crying mm -hmm. and just crying. I was a little boy and just I couldn't stop crying. I was like telling my mom on the ride home after the movie. I was like, why? Why did they have to die? They all died. Why? Why? Well, why? And the ironic thing <laughs> is um, I attended, you know, historically black college. Mm. Uh, had uh, uh, black history, black literature, everything. and in none of the courses... I took uh, at, at Cheney. Uh, did they cover the military history? You know, and I didn't. I didn't find out 
about this until years after when a, a friend of mine invited me to a reenactment, a battle reenactment in Allentown, uh, New Jersey. <laughs> you know, and I, I had no idea what I was going to see. <laughs> and, you know, they, they put me in a uniform, bandaged me up and put me as a patient in a, in a, in a field hospital. <laughs> That was my first reenacting experience. <laughs> then after that, I saw the movie Glory. I said, oh my God. So that's when I uh, became a member of 6th Regiment United States Color Troop. Very neat. Wow. Um, so, and you said you, you were studying history. And, and they, they didn't cover this. Social science. Oh, okay. And, and this wasn't covered back then. It was a minor in, you know, African-American history. They did not a word. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, as we talked about, like I'm rereading the book Blackjacks. And, yeah. Uh, which is all about uh, African American sailors' primary focus prior to the you know, during and prior to the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, my impression covers uh, that. That book is my Bible, so to speak. <laughs> you know, I would leave one at every coffee table at a hotel if I could. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I use that as the core. Of course, I've got many books on um, uh, related topics. But uh, my impression covers the American Revolution, the War of 1812, and the Civil War. So I'm a member of a unit for each of those periods. So the Revolutionary War is uh, Glover's Marblehead Regiment, uh, War of 1812 on the other side, <laughs> on the crew of the Acosta, HMS Acosta, <laughs> and on the, for the American Civil War, I'm back on the right side again with the USS Lehigh, which was different, it was an ironclad historically. <laughs> awesome. But that's as far right. as I go. Right side is relative. I was born in Canada, so you know, <laughs> but uh, for the War of 1812. But uh, that's awesome. You are a reenactor's reenactor, then, it sounds like. I mean, because, and folks, I mean, I'll try to post some pictures, but man, the. Uh, the outfits Leon like wears, it's incredible. I mean, he looks like the crustiest, saltiest old sailor you ever seen. It's great. Uh, kids love it. Adults love it. Um, opens people's eyes to a, a really a, neg a neglected, but I would I would say growing awareness of, of slowly growing, slowly, of, growing. Uh, slowly growing, and mm -hmm. and hopefully this will speed it up a little bit. Who mm -hmm. knows? You know. Uh, but just just to get a little more well-rounded history and understanding of our our past as a nation and in uh, our groups. Yeah, Sergeant Major always said that history is most important subject you can learn. You know, if you <laughs> don't know where you've been. It's like how you gonna know where to go. Oh, but. it's true. Yeah, <laughs> and and so many people, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, like, and and I've I've had to, yeah, like I I remember. When we were, when I was doing my kids' book, when I was writing my, my children's book, uh, the, the the greatest cat in the world, which is not about me, and uh, the and and so we we had I was working with the illustrator. We had the illustrations. I had the cover, and and basically the the cast of the book at that time it was all people of European descent. You know, so everybody was white, and somebody made a comment on the on Facebook. It was like. Where where are all and and uh, she uh, she was un unknowingly she didn't she meant it in a, a nice way but uh, but it came back to bite her but she said we're all the dark skinned people and all the women <laughs> and I was like 
And I was, I was, when I was reading this comment, it was late at night, and I'm not gonna lie, I had about probably half a bottle of wine, <laughs> and so I was like, uh, you know what? I'm gonna sleep on this. <laughs> totally sober up. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I wake up in the morning and just the thread had exploded, <laughs> and it was like, oh my gosh, because what had happened uh, was uh, one of the people. Had had written, uh, you know, and, and and this guy just didn't know his history, but, he, but he's like, well, you know, we wouldn't want to, you know, j- just portray slaves on the boat, and then other people are like, what are all this stuff, and 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 luckily, I had read Blackjacks, and mm-hmm. and I had recently read, uh, actually, like very recently, read a book about female sailors, historical mm-hmm. female sailors, mm-hmm. and so like like a lot of this information was fresh in my fingertips, and so I wrote back, I'm like, okay, guys, let's let's back up, like <laughs> this is the actual history, like not everybody was a slave. In fact, mm-hmm. the probably the second biggest job, I I think, don't quote me on that, uh, for free blacks was sailing. Well, yeah, uh, and uh, I, you know, I tried, I was part of my impression. Uh, I tried to inform the public, you know, uh, especially uh, in the black community, is that, you know, the maritime experience of blacks does not begin and end with on the slave ship. Okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and of course, naturally, that's the first thing that comes to mind when you associate blacks and the sea and ships and that sort of thing and understandably so okay yeah we want to make sure uh, understandably so that that background is okay never but happens. and this is why it is important to design a curriculum uh that's somewhat representative you know uh of you know of of the actual history and one of the reasons the reasons for it, as you stated, uh, was it was for a free black person. That was one of the few uh, occupations you could be gainfully employed. You know, other than you know, um, chopping somebody's wood or you know, uh, other uh, other uh, menial tasks. Of course, the cost of that is that you're away for long periods of time. You know, in a very dangerous, dangerous element. But that of that was one of other than let's see, one other we be readily hired mining. (laughs) I can't think of anything much more dangerous than mining. (laughs) You know, that's that's another option. Um, I'm going to see. And what people don't understand, um, if you think of things, I, because of my background, I usually think in terms of systems, dependencies, interdependencies, right? And what dependencies did you have on? Well, say you're a the owner of a of a relatively large mercantile vessel. Okay, it takes maybe what thirty five hands. To get your ship out to sea, if your ship's not out to sea, you're not making any money. Are you going to hear excuses from your captain that you can't find enough able-bodied <laughs> white men to get your ship out to sea? Yeah. No. <laughs> Are you going to look too closely as if a person says, "Yeah, I'm free," 
<laughs> yeah, I, I can do this thing. Yeah, yeah. But he, you know, you're not going to check too closely. You know, maybe he jumped ship <laughs> from a ma- ship that his master had him on. You know, and made his way to yours. And yeah, well, that hand, I, I'm good for this thing. You know, you're not going to look too closely. So, uh, if you're, you know, you're a captain or also, you know, crewing up to get your vessel to port. I mean, this is just the reality of the times, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, the thing I, I, I think is important also um, from, I belong to a, a educational foundation, 1906 Education Foundation, you know, we're providing scholarships. Um, uh, uh, to kids in, in, in the black community to, to encourage them to con- continue a further education. And I would like to see a greater awareness to, toward go, pursuing education toward maritime trades, maritime industries. Uh, it was a vital part historically and um, I think uh, um, neglected opportunity. Uh, and part of that is exposure, right? Yeah. And I think that's one of the important things, like a ship like the Mirwall and uh, other vessels, Gazelle, other things, is you know exposing. Because I mean, not just just that it's a tall ship, okay, mm-hmm. but the the type of um, skill sets that involved in the maritime trades, and of course the tall ship community is one small part of that but you know uh, one thing that that impressed me um, while you know uh, sailing, sailing on on the uh, mirror wall and visiting different uh, different ports and different events and things like that you know is the the um, wide range of of expertise and knowledge that's involved in the mar- in the maritime field. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I mean, every everybody should like know. Your, your, your wife. That, that's uh, that's that's new to me. A uh, what? Wait, what? Your, what? Megan, the, her the, her her certification that she just got. Oh yeah, marine tech training. Never heard of that before. Yeah, no, no. She's a she's a full fledged marine tech. Um, she's got a natural knack for for figuring out mechanical stuff. Like I, I've got, I don't know what they call it. I, I just I just suck at fixing things. <laughs> but but I can diagnose problems. Like as a captain, you have to know instantly what the problem is. But I, but I'm like, oh, don't have me turn in the wrench. You know. Yeah, and you yeah. know, it's you know, where else am I going to learn something like that exists? You know, just just by just being in the network. Oh, somebody does that. They can get certified in that. Yeah, well, I remember we had, um, you know, we were sailing with at-risk youth out of the L.A. Maritime Institute in uh, San Pedro down there in the Los Angeles area, and uh, we, you know, we take out the the youth from the inner city and a lot mm. of. Latino youth, a lot of you know, but also a lot of African American uh, young men and women, and uh, junior high age, and we take them out, and boy, I mean, it was such a life changer. Mm. Like, like even one sale, 
one four-hour sale, you would see people where like they were the worst kid in class, and then the teacher, you know, weeks later they they do the second voyage, and they'd be like, "How do you do it? Mm-hmm. You do more in, with these students in four weeks than I can do in four years." I mean, it's incredible, and it's just getting them out of their element, showing them. I mean, some of them have never been on the ocean; they've never even seen the ocean. They're like two miles from it, you know. They've never seen it. They've never seen the. You know, when we did our long voyage, we, I mean, they can see the Milky Way. They've mm-hmm. never seen the Milky Way in the L.A. lights. Yeah. And I remember one little boy who, and this kid was, he was solid. I mean, he was good. You know, he was a natural leader, I thought, uh, and think. And he he was just um, just an awesome kid. And I remember he came up to me and he kind of said, you know, I, I wanted to be a gangster. And then he like like sort of, sort of jumped a little bit, realized, oh, he probably shouldn't. You know, he, he thought he shouldn't say that to me. I was like, you know, I, I, it's okay. I didn't care. But he said, yeah, I kind of want to be a gangster, but, but now I want to be a captain on a boat or, <laughs> or at least a cook. And, and it, I honestly, to this day, I do regret. I, I, I wish I'd told him, I said, never sell yourself short. Mm-hmm. Don't, first of all, you can be a cook. If you're going to be a cook, be the captain of the cooks. <laughs> like, like, be in charge of the gal. That's great. I mean, that's a, an awesome job. But, like, like you know, I could already see him kind of you know, tearing his dreams apart. I'm like, don't do it. Be the captain. All mm-hmm. you got to do is, you know, learn how to read and write well, learn some math that's pretty solid, go to a maritime academy, bam. I mean, like, there's definitely need for that. Or, as we're talking about the merit, you know, the technical schools. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and even there's steward position. I mean, there's something on a boat for everybody, mm-hmm. every personality type, every mm-hmm. brain type. Yeah. Um, uh, with the yeah, like you said, important to understand to me, whatever the path or line you take in these options, you know, it's fulfilling your own potential. Yeah. That's what it's about. Okay. Sometimes, like people, if, if you know, maybe a certain generation, <laughs> but uh, you know, when you say a steward or a cook or something, they're thinking back in the days where, yeah, well, that's where blacks were relegated mm-hmm. to those positions. You know, like after the Civil War in the U.S. Navy, then they said, okay, well, you, you know, but uh, you know, prior to that, on average, the U.S. Navy, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, um, you know, made up the blacks made up fifteen or twenty percent in the navy. They actually at one point put a limit on the on the <laughs> navy. You know, the, a, a number of blacks, um, but and they're in all different types of capacities and skill sets. I mean, not officers per se. Yeah. You know, but you know, bosun's bosun's mate. You know, that's that sort of thing at that level. Um, um, but at, you know, after the, after the civil war, you know, the, you know, the relegate, you see them relegated to, um, basically or servile positions yeah. up until World War II. So, but, so, you know, sometimes you have that baggage, you know, left. Like yeah. That. But the important thing now is whatever path you take. In, in in that direction, your inclinations are, you know, go for it. Realize your fullest potential. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah, and I guess what I what I was referring to. So when you go to mm-hmm. get a, a professional maritime license, mm-hmm. you know, being a captain's license, there's different routes you take. So your initial sea time 
mm-hmm. goes towards any route, right? Mm-hmm. But then at some point you do kind of have to choose. So like your initial seat time will count towards the, the deckhand route, but there's also the officer's route mm-hmm. and there's the steward route. And those are like the three major, and engineering, I'm sorry. So there are like four branches and you can move up the path in all those branches, but but it's not. <laughs> so so <laughs> I was I was kind of referring to the general pathways. I wasn't necessarily thinking. Uh, but one, one thing, one thing <laughs> from my own perspective, like you know, I just go, I just reenact, you know, yeah. thing like that. You know, so I got to say, oh, we're, we're all in. Um, I guess you know, uh, you know, only you know several months at a time. At the most, what eight months out the year? That's what they go back to be a reenactor and like that. And so, yeah, I guess around 2019, I think uh, the, before COVID, you know, like that, I was kind of, you know, trying to apprentice myself under Ethan <laughs> with the bosun stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was had, starting to have delusions of grandeur. <laughs> you know, maybe uh, I can uh, aspire, you know, to that. But, you know, this, uh, but what impresses me, and you know, especially me coming in at the age I, I am, you know, is the uh, um, amount of of uh, concentrated time, you know, shipmates have made, and you know, to get to the skill level, mm-hmm. you know, where uh, um, at such a young age, you know, it's really. Thing that impresses impresses me, you know. Their age, I was doing other things, you know, on the mat and <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, you know, but uh, the is very. I'm very impressed with this, with the skill sets they bring to bear. Um. And uh, glad I had the opportunity and privilege to uh, work side side by side and play sailor. Play sailor. Oh, Leon, you, you are selling yourself short. You are a sailor. <laughs> We've been out on the ocean. We've been sailing. We've been in, in uh, uh, on the Mirwall. She's 93 years old, an oyster schooner. So we, we've never been in heavy seas or heavy winds. But uh, we, we, it's gotten, gotten you know, moderate-ish. I don't know. I mean, there's a couple sails down, wind sails, where I was like, yeah, we're, we're going. We're, well, we're ripping along. I think you said I became a really official on the transit to uh, Point Pleasant because I got really sick for the first time. That's right. <laughs> yes. I mean, there were, there were some beauties. Those heaves were some beauties. I redecorated the, the port hall of the, of the mirror wall big time. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but there's an expression. What is it? Uh, every sailor, there's two types of sailors. There's those that have been seasick and those that haven't been seasick yet. <laughs> so congratulations. You joined the club. Oh man, but yeah, talking about uh, you were you're talking about uh, on the mat, mm. and uh, so what, what a lot of people don't know, and even our sailors, they found out uh, last night. We were, we were chatting away, and and uh, some of them didn't know that you are an Aikido master, and as Josh puts it, uh, Josh Cornavacci, he said, "Yeah, you look at Leon, and you think like, oh, you know, he's kind of just this old guy, and then." He like turns into Yoda. You give him a staff and he turns into Yoda from the second Star Wars film. It's just like. <laughs> and it's true. I've seen it. It's amazing. Uh, so what, what got you into Aikido? I mean, how'd that begin? Well, it got, what got me in martial arts? Mm-hmm. I got my ass kicked. And, you know, as simple as that. 
I, you know, I didn't want to get my ass kicked anymore. So mm-hmm. I decided to start taking martial arts. You know, I took jiu-jitsu, karate, uh, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, um, uh, not the MMA stuff, mm-hmm. but because this is more like geared, more like towards self-defense. My instructor was like, he's like a, a, um, a ex- ex-Marine and police officer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. So he's not, you know, uh, wrestling around with people on the ground, stuff like that. He's breaking bones. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, uh, which was which was cool, you know. And um, so, how old were you when you started? Uh, at what? Fourteen, fifteen, something like that. Okay. And what, did you grow up in a pretty tough neighborhood, or it didn't start out as tough? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then you got tough. <laughs> it didn't start out that tough. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, um, the neighborhood changed over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, some people may be his- familiar with the history of urban renewal, the shifts in population in the cities and stuff like that. So I was, my neighborhood was going th- going through that, mm-hmm. where you were getting the whole population is like being displaced from by Temple University or that sort of thing, and the white flight, mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, strangers coming. When when my mother, my mother's a teacher in junior high school, science teacher, and um, well, she was teaching there, right? Uh, like, basically, she hardly had any problems, you know, because um, she, Basically, if she had a problem with a kid in class, she said, oh, you seem to have a problem in class. Well, uh, why don't I talk to Lorraine on Sunday at church and see what your problem is? And that it straightened things out. Right? But then you had to change this influx of, 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 of kids from, I don't want to sound, you know, Let's just say not not of the same background, mm-hmm. uh, 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 because when we moved, like my, my my father's an architect, his friends are architects, like mm-hmm. other teachers and stuff like that. But you know, sorry, had different some different makeup, that sort of thing, and and some uh, things like uh, like certain. Well, people who are familiar with certain parts of Philadelphia know that. These people are from from South Carolina. These this neighborhood from South Carolina. This from here. Like okay. That. And so, and you start seeing these rivalries, and you know, they turned into gangs, and, and that sort of thing. It turns into gangs, you know. And so, increasingly, like my parents are doing everything to keep me <laughs> from being in that situation, right? So mm-hmm. they're sending me to Boy Scout camp, travel choirs. <laughs> and all that that sort of thing but uh the school of school is what it is you know it's, uh, it is you know and um unfortunately um you know in between ducking the different gangs territory i had to transverse between school and, and home you know then i had to worry about well in class was happening in, in, in school itself so um it's kind of 
changed over time like that. So yeah. that I, again, uh, like I said, uh, one of these guys, um, I had several, several, encounter, several encounters. One guy called up to me with my ass and said, okay, uh, this is like junior high school. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna start um, practicing. Uh, initially with mattress, a mattress in my basement. <laughs> then I joined the uh, Belfield Recreation uh, Club where my instructor was teaching like that. And uh, I think uh, one, guy, uh, uh, one guy grabbed me, I'm mean, sitting at a lunch table, and one guy grabbed me, bullet grabbed me by the throat, you know, from behind like that. Yeah. And I threw him up top of the table. <laughs> Everybody's lungs is going, <laughs> After that, no problem. <laughs> That's great, wow. Then in a high school, uh, high school, uh, he, he, he turned me, uh, referred me, uh, he showed a little so-called Aikido and uh, he directed me to um, uh, Sensei uh, Suji Moriyama, who's teaching downtown Philadelphia on Art Street, down in what we know is the Chinatown area, like mm -hmm. that. And um, that got me uh, introduced to uh, Aikido and the world of the samurai. <laughs> <laughs> and then become an avid follower, follower of uh, uh, Kurosawa. All right. Movies. Yeah. They are amazing. If you haven't seen Seven Samurai, like, Seven stop Samurai, this podcast now. Seven Samurai, Sanjiro, <laughs> yeah. Yojimbo. Yeah. All these, you know, there was a time when, I mean, everybody used to getting anything on the internet now. Mm -hmm. But the internet wasn't always there. I mean, the only place you could see films like this was like, at, you know, like, art theaters like or Temple University Film Festival and mm -hmm. that's what it and you, you hear like oh they're having um uh Samurai uh Japanese Film Festival right at the Bandbox in Germantown like it's going to be go run for 8 or 9 hours so you so you pack as much food as you can <laughs> to you know to smuggle in you know to spend you know 8 or 9 hours watching back to back Kurosawa movies, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I got to do Aikido um, with uh, with Aikido Sensei in, in Aizu in Japan, Ooh. in the basin there in northern Japan. Um, they, they claim that's the birthplace of Aikido, though other people claim other areas, <laughs> so who knows? But I'm, I'm sticking with my basin because that's <laughs> where I lived for two years, but... Uh, but yeah, it was it was good. It was uh, my my supervisor was the Aikido master, and he and I did not get along. We were too similar. Uh, we we both loved history, and we both were very kind of traditional minded. And uh, but that was our one way where we could. Uh, I mean, we had other ways too, but but that was the primary one where it's like you know because he, he looked at me like you're gonna take Aikido. Do you want to really? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll try it, and, and I kept going, and showing up, and uh, one of the. One of my favorite moments with him, and, and he felt it too. Uh, the Japanese are very poetic. Uh, if you ever lived there, uh, you know, I lived there three years, 
And it took me about three years to start to figure out the culture. But uh, very poetic, uh, subtle things, subtle mm. little things will be very, very powerful to them mm. and, and uh, in a way that, that's uh, that it's, it's incredible. <laughs> but, I, but I remember, uh, you know, you'll you'll hear stories and legends like the was a Musashi fighting mm. the samurai and the, the Musashi is just like this ragtag bearded, you know, sword master. And he takes the, the you know, legend has it. He takes the, the ore that he, you know, he got rowed over to this beach where he's going to have this fight with the samurai and, and see who's the better, <laughs> you know, one way or the other, they're going to figure out who's the best. And, uh, and he carves his ore into a, you know, kind of like a sword sort of thing. And this samurai guy is just furious. Mm-hmm. And he's like the representative of the tradition, and he's representative of the the <laughs> alternate, and, and they're polar opposites in that sense, but both masters. And my understanding of it is this guy is pissed off, and and just like, what you're making the light of this, and mm-hmm. and Musashi's like, just stop, like like already won. You know, this, is, well, this is my understanding of the story. I mean, it's like a layman's understanding. Yeah, was... and and he and the guy wouldn't quit, and he just kept they kept fighting, and he finally, you know, Musashi had to he. he Apparently he hated it. He hated that he did not want to ever do that again. He's like it's like destroying a beautiful masterpiece, you know. And, mm. and but anyway, and sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. So, but it was on the beach, you know, this beautiful setting. Yeah. And so one one evening, um, I lived in the same village as my Aikido master, my supervisor, and there was a blizzard, you know. And so I knew the roads by that time. I could safely drive <clears throat> in the blizzard, I mean, and I was young and a little reckless, but <laughs> but. I went to Aikido practice and and uh, and it was awesome. Like we we're there in his you know little personal dojo, and you can hear the wind howling outside and the mm. snow. You know, walking in the snow on the ground to get to the dojo, and and uh, and he and I sat there silent for a few minutes, and then he said, uh, you know, I don't think anyone. Well, and then he's like, I don't think anyone's going to show up. Let's let's start. And so we did, and we did a short lesson. It wasn't long, but it was just it was magical. I mean, it was like the coolest thing to be one on one with my supervisor doing Aikido with the snow howling outside. Ooh. And then after about, man, I can't remember. I can't remember anymore. Maybe a half hour or so. He's like, you know what? Why don't we go inside and like hang out with my family, have some food and hang, you know, just chill. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds great. And so we did. Oh, uh, it was yeah. really, it was, it was a neat moment. Well, let's go back to tall ships. Let's, let's talk a little more about, oh, actually, no, I, I would like, so I didn't know your mom taught science. Yes, and, uh, and your dad was an engineer, architect. Oh, an architect. Excuse me. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, my my father, he and my uncle were able to benefit from the GI Bill because they both had served in, in World War II. Okay. Prior to that, they had been. You ever hear of red caps? No. These are the uh, iconic black train conductors. Okay. Uh, uh, on the railways then, mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I mean, they grew up in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, being a red cap was considered, you know, in the community. Like, you know, you're not uh, digging ditches or something like that. You're a red cap on mm-hmm. the train, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, they uh, uh, went forward, World War II. Um, I think my uncle was a master sergeant, and um, of course, uh, units were segregated. Um, my father, my mother says he was in uh, the Pacific and was uh, 
you know those those big cargo nets the troops carried yeah. flying up and down yeah you know deploying those uh, thing but he would never talk about it about his world war. he just he says they, they just treated him so badly mm. like when when he when he got discharged you know do away anything that had to do with it and wouldn't talk about it okay I don't know what my uncle's experience was but um I uh, also had a cousin I have a cousin that uh, he was um, uh, he served in World War II as a Montford Point Marine. Anybody knows anything about uh, um, the Black Marines from Montford Point? Um, but they were they were able to um, take advantage of the GI Bill, and uh, my father went to Howard, mm -hmm. and my uncle uh, went to University of Penn for accounting. Okay, wow. And my father, uh, he became a uh, government, federal uh, employee, in accountant, G. I forgot what it is, with his high G numbers. And my father uh, went, went into architecture. And um, when, I, uh, uh, when I was small, uh, my, uh, and my, my, my mother went to Morgan State as a, a biology major. Um, and he moved to Philadelphia and uh, at first uh, my it's hard for my father to get a, a job so he and my uncle tried to stop a trucking thing but that didn't get off the ground and so he, he had to uh, settle for uh, being a window what do you call it, window in his department store, setting up window displays. Oh yeah, yeah. At Warner Makers in Philadelphia. Wow, he's <laughs> a university degree, and uh, from Howard University. He's having to do that. That's and okay. but uh, he managed. He got an interview with um, at H two L two, which would be the only firm that would uh, let him uh, interview. And uh, you know, you never asked around. You know if they, you know if they, if the other architects minded a, you know, a black guy working in the in the firm, and nobody said. And then uh, he became an architect, you know, architect for H two L two. So, and in the meantime, uh, my mother um, was just taking classes, certif certified for teaching science. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, eventually uh, ended up in uh, um, high school. Named under General Wagner from the Civil War, mm -hmm. um, who used to command the um, um, the camp Camp William Penn, uh, just just north of Philadelphia, in what we know as the uh, Sheltonham area, which was. The campsite for uh, uh, northern campsite for the United States Colored Troops, and they uh, fielded eleven regiments out of Camp William Penn. Hmm. Uh, sixth regiment being the second regiment that deployed. Um, for, that, that sixth regiment, re regiment that we reenact, is a regiment that um, uh, we in Trenton uh, portray. 
2nd Regiment that deployed from um, Camp William Penn. 3rd Regiment, which the, uh, is reenacted out of the guys in Philadelphia, uh, portrayed the 3rd uh, Regiment. They were the 1st Regiment that deployed from Camp William Penn. And that was a story in itself. Um, uh, uh, you know the Union League in Philadelphia? Philadelphia Union League? Yeah, Risa Bell. On Broad Street, that was not its original location where it is now. Its original location was on Chestnut Street, and white white move. The Union League is what you know basically um, supported the raising. People think it was just a Republican club now, but uh, they raised the funds. You know, raised to to equip. Uh, Black soldiers in the United States Colored Troop. Okay. So the first um, regiment to deploy was the 3rd Regiment, United States Colored Infantry. And they're marching down Chestnut Street past the Union, Union League. And someone from the from from the crowd rushes out to snatch the flag from the color sergeant. <laughs> you know, people don't realize that how strong the Southern sympathy was in the United States. Yeah. There's a very strong business trade relationship between Philadelphia and Southern states. Mm -hmm. And people are upset that, you know, they're sending black troops, you know, and somebody runs out and snatches the, to snatch the flag from this, the color sergeant. And this guy gets beat down. <laughs> now, he's beat down. <laughs> As in the person trying to snatch the flag. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, gets, don't, you don't mess you, with the color sergeant. He gets the beat down. And boy, and a riot breaks out. Oh my gosh. And they burn down the Union League. This is your Philadelphia history, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is your brother sister, brother, city of brotherly love. Oh, yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my mother. Uh, teaches at uh, General Lewis Wagner's school, uh, named mm. after the, the commandant of, of that uh, junior high school there. Yeah, I'm always amazed. Um, you know, any, I always tell people, like, just pick any subject, any, any era in history, any, like, as narrow or as broad as you want. Open up a couple books, start reading, track their primary source documents. You know, you can look that all up online now. So just go to the back of the book and it'll tell you, you know, if you get a cool quote in the middle of the book, look up the actual source. Uh, there's two things you can confirm. Is this historian actually real? Real, You know, because some people lie and they'll, they'll twist the, the quotes and make it appear one way when it's not. Uh, but, but just delving even a couple layers, you know, one layer into the history beyond what you learned in the history books or in a movie or whatever it gets really interesting and nuanced and, and I mean like Southern Jersey you know where, where the mirror wall is like I remember going to this museum and they had some Civil War stuff and I'm, I'm always curious about that and and so I, I was asking them about it and, and you know I was pretty enthusiastic so they started telling me stories and they got a little carried away because they're like oh you're you're on the mirror wall and you're on the, the Morris River yeah that was used it was really hard to navigate and it's hard to tell there's even a river there from, from the Delaware Bay. And so they would use that for, for smuggling and for all this stuff. And I was like, what kind of stuff did they smuggle? You know, like during the Civil War, they smuggled. What kind of stuff they smuggled? He said, oh, weapons. <laughs> and, and, I, and they're like, 
And I was like, for, and I kind of said, for what? And I could tell they, they kind of looked at each other like, oh, like they, they shouldn't have said that. <laughs> they, they didn't mean to say that. And so they were smuggling weapons for a Southern insurgency, <laughs> like for the Southern sympathizers in South Jersey, which well, was part of the Union. I mean, the New well, Jersey was Well, a lot of people, again, for those who don't know New Jersey history, <laughs> New Jersey was the most Northern Southern state. That's true. And it, in the union, I mean, yeah. basically, if you're a runaway slave, you didn't consider yourself, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, out of the woods until you passed the Raritan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, also New Jersey, unlike Pennsylvania, and uh, did not fill any black troops. If you were, in, mm. if you lived in New Jersey, you had two options: you either had to go to Philadelphia to enlist. Or up to Boston, um, and enlist uh, to be in a, in, in a colored regiment. Okay, so um, New Jersey has an interesting uh, history. <laughs> it's colorful. I, I I find it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so what got you? So your mom was a scientist. Was was that or studied science? Was that kind of what got you into sci-fi, or what? 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 I mean, you have so many different aspects of your life. Um, but what got you into sci-fi? Because you were into this stuff as a really little kid. Like, <laughs> well, actually, not really. I actually became aware of sci-fi. Actually, was a senior in high school when uh, dating myself when uh, Star Trek first came on TV. Okay, and but, uh, what's around 68, 69? Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, and it's oh, it's oh wow, this is great, you know. But I'm not going to watch it. I have to study. I have to study. <laughs> like that. And then, and then, so uh, I refuse to watch it. I wanted to watch it, but then, um, and after uh, I graduated, you know, uh, went away to school and everything like that, and then after college. Um, after I graduated, got got uh, got home and I had some time on my hands, things like that, you know. Then I started watching, you know, reruns of Star Trek. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, just pigged out, you know, on on, on Star Trek reruns and <laughs> and um, uh, but the real, but the uh, other thing that really got me, um. Um, not that Star Trek wasn't enough, but the the thing that 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 really gripped me was Doom, oh, the okay. book Doom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's you know that's just like it just sank the sci-fi talons in me in my in my flesh <laughs> like that Dune and uh, what is another one Neuromancer. Love Neuromancer, uh, and um, <laughs> dating myself again. Uh, uh, and uh, 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 remember back in a time uh, where you know uh, before video cassette tapes were you know easily. Anybody remember videotape cassettes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and I'm into you know the the, the sci-fi. And I'm into the Japanese film and stuff like that. You know, where are you going to see this stuff? Oh, you have to go 
to the store on South Street, mm-hmm. you know, to get the <laughs> the, the, the out of you know out of the way to get to get stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, unless you, uh, and um, you know, unless you saw uh, some like sci-fi shit. Uh, was sci-fi? I forgot what it used to come on Saturday mornings or something like that. That and sometimes you see some Japanese films on UHF. <laughs> <laughs> now I remember you. Uh, we, were, we were sitting in the crew house, and uh, the crew house. Is, this is the old crew house for the the mirror wall. The new one's like a, a proper house that that my wife fixed up. Pretty great. But the old one was the old schoolhouse, and the crew was upstairs in like a, a barracks type thing almost. You know, everybody slept all in the same room. It was actually pretty cool. But uh, Leon was sitting there at the, the TV, in front of the TV, and, and uh, well, you, well, you were playing, uh, you, were, you, you were showing us a film that you watched as a kid, or like a TV program, Fireball XL5 oh, no. <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you should be giggling. <laughs> it was so funny watching you because you're like, you're there and we could see little boy Leon. It's, it's a Fireball XLZ. It's this marionette XL5. show. Or, or, what is it? Fireball XL5. Fireball XL5. So it's this marionette show, black and white. You know, this is like, this is old. I mean, this is pre-Star Trek. This is old. And and we could see little Leon just like, because this alien comes out and it looks kind of scary and and. And they're and what was it? They were like, what? They're, they're waiting for the elevator and this alien. Oh, the elevators! Yeah, you can see the elevator. The elevator's going down, and and, it's, and, it's, <laughs> and the alien's coming, and the elevator is still going slowly. <laughs> I said, take the stairs. <laughs> There's no stairs. So it, it was that moment. Uh-huh. It, it was that moment. Where I was like, "That's it!" I because because I because I knew you loved aliens. I knew you loved Star Trek, Star Wars, all that stuff. And I'm just like, "Oh man, okay." Because I I we we had a game that uh, I'd played before with 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 my wife and with a few other people. It's called Artemis Starship Bridge Simulator, which is hilarious. You can probably look up some funny YouTube videos online of people playing Artemis Starship Bridge Simulator. But, um, but basically, you take your individual computers, land them all together, and then each computer is like a console for a starship. So you, you got weapons and, you know, science, navigation, Ooh, all that stuff. It's great. And then great. The, it's an awesome game. And then the idea is the captain actually sits back and, you know, ideally you have like a big screen or, a, you know, something, big TV that, that is Ooh. the front viewing screen. Ooh. And the captain just directs people. It's Ooh. just like, weapons, you know, ready, ready this weapon, do that, da, da. And uh, and so when when I saw you watching Fireball, you know, showing us Fireball XL Five, I was just like, oh man, we got to do an Artemis Bridge Simulator night, and we got to surprise Leon. And so I planned this for months, Leon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like because the crew house was new; we hadn't moved into the new crew house yet. And so we had set it up where the there's three stories. You know, the first story you got like the the kitchen. In a, a couple rooms and a, a laundry. Second story, you got a few crew rooms, and then there's a little library that Megan and I made. Um, and then you go up to the third floor, and it's just solely dedicated to entertainment. So now mm-hmm. there's like musical instruments, drum set up there, movies, DVD, big screen TV, all that kind of stuff, big open space. Uh, and so we had set up the third floor as this starship bridge with all of our computers and the captain's seat and all this stuff. And then um, I. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I tricked you. I was like, because we, we had planned something. We were, oh, we were going to have a sci-fi movie night. So we were already yeah. priming <laughs> you for like, yeah, we're going to watch Aliens or whatever. And and we, um, but I said, oh, Leon, I forgot the film. I forgot what, something. I, I made up some excuse to go to the, the old crew house. So we mm-hmm. drove over there. And I took my sweet time finding whatever it was. And then in the meantime, the crew is like boom, getting everything ready and getting, you know. <laughs> and then we came back to the new crew house and I went in and I was like, oh my gosh, Leon, I just got a text. Uh, something's come up. Something, something's happened. Um, head to the second, follow me, follow me. And so like we head up to the second floor and in the, what was called the green room at the time because it had a green floor. There's nothing there but a table mm-hmm. and a computer console. You know, my, my computer with like the Star Trek, <laughs> you, know, you know, Space Star Trek Academy, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, space fleet, like insignia. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know what's going on, Leon. Just press the space bar. Something, something's going on. Oh, there's a, like a silver box next to it. And you pressed it. And Megan had made like a video. You know, my wife had made a video of uh, with Fireball XLZ with like various <laughs> little snippets. And she was doing Doctor Venus she's from, <laughs> from yeah. France. You know, she's doing this like French accent, and she speaks French, so. Uh-huh. So she's very good at doing a French accent. It's like, Dr. Venus, Dr. Venus. And we'll, we'll see. Maybe for like Patreon supporters, I'll, I'll try to find this video and, and I'll play that. And, but, uh, and I'll play the video that happens after because basically it's like, oh, Dr. Venus, we need your help. And, you know, you are the only one that can help us. And, and, uh, and, and so then you had yeah, the dawn. Yeah. Uh, what, you, well, you tell us your perspective, whatever. Oh, man. It was like, uh, just, my mind was just blown. I mean, you know, they had. They had they had the, they had the, the tunic, the Star Trek tunic for me. Well, we know? gave you a skin tight silver one piece. Suit. Well, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's a space outfit. Yeah, a space outfit. Okay, <laughs> not Star Trek per se, but a space outfit. You yeah, know? but but oh man, and uh, oh man, it's just like the lightsaber, the phaser, look, the the glass. You like, had like a little goggle yeah, <laughs> wild look, you look like a sci-fi 50s 60s crazy yeah. person now looking at all the consoles oh wow this is this is badass well so so i have a next so so leon he watched the video you watched it twice because you said at first you didn't realize they were she was talking to you mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you're like oh my gosh it's, and so you've turned you donned your outfit and then it's like well ready or not here i come and i remember you, know, you opened the door and I was there. I had changed into my my long my black long johns, but that's as close as I get to a Star Trek outfit. Had a little insignia, and I'm like Captain Leon Brooks, <laughs> you know, Chief Manuel on reporting. And here's we've got some things for you. Here's that. Uh, oh, here's here's the your authorization from Starfleet to use mm-hmm. nukes. And you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> and here's here's your oh remember that those tribbles we found? You wanted to send a whole batch of them to Earth? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, sign that. <laughs> You know, and we got the drum beat playing from like aliens, where it's like, you know, they're getting ready to go to war, and and uh, then you head down, and we had Willow doing the the news broadcasting, so she's like interviewing you, and uh, like Brooks, all right, head around the corner. We got oh, we have a contingent of colonial marines. Uh, to, to fight against boarding parties and, and Alex is there in like full camo with a helmet you know gun and just like Elon <laughs> found so funny he's like sir you know permission to speak freely and you're like <laughs> alright go you know kind of nod to him he's like sir is this going to be another effing bug hunt <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're like, carry on. Yeah. And then you head up the stairs and we were all there, like decked out in our Star Trek outfits, some you know, some in Star Wars, in front of the consoles, everyone's like, you know, officer, captain on deck. <laughs> it's like attention. And everyone's checking in. And my wife was there in the red shirt with her pregnant belly. <laughs> and she's like, Captain Leon Brooks, I'm so excited to be a part of the way team. I can't believe it. This is a dream come true. I know it's going to be fine. Something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll show the video. We still have the video. We'll play it for uh, oh, oh, patrons. Oh, we do. Yeah, Ethan. Oh. Ethan, has, We'll track it down. We'll find it. Okay. Um, maybe we can yeah. figure out a way to play that for people. But yeah. funny as hell. Yeah. And then the best part for me, uh, well, there are other parts that were awesome too, but the best part for me was we sat you down and you've never played this game. You've never done anything like this in your life. And I thought, I'm going to have to like coach you a little bit or like remind you of this. Or that. It was like you'd always been a starship captain. <laughs> it's like you knew instantly, like, okay, set a course for here. Shields up. Like, ready the nukes. Like, here we go. <laughs> you know? It was amazing. I was ready. <laughs> it's like you've been waiting your whole life to do it. Yeah. And, oh, man. But it, you may be right. Uh, um Fireball XL5 may have been, given me that propensity <laughs> to... Uh, Good for that, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. You know, it's kind of like certain movie shows, TV shows, and movies are kind of like um, I don't know. It's kind of like a standout mm -hmm. in your life, you know, or just stage of life or whatever. Like you know, Master like, and Commander is what got me into tall ships. Yes. Like, yes. Bam! That was it. Uh, and I remember. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Star Trek was having, you know, was out having his movies and things like that. And they're romping around the universe and that sort of thing and everything like that. And so, you know, that was the feel for sci-fi at the time, you know, mm -hmm. Star Trek. Then Alien comes out. And it, and it brings back the horror into yeah. sci-fi horror. Truck drivers in space. Truck drivers. Horror. Yeah. <laughs> horror. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, now we're in it now. And I remember, um, oh, man, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> I remember, I'm, 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 you know, ready to, you know, see another sci-fi movie. The Star Wars had come out before that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of good guys and bad guys and things like this, you know, and, the, and this alien comes out. You, you, they're not warping, <laughs> or that kind of stuff, you know. Doing hypersleep and they're just slowly things like that, like that. And I remember the first time that the uh, alien, the chest buster, appeared. Uh huh. And at the time, I had invited some uh woman from work to take her to the movie you know I'm showing off you know take her yeah I'm taking her to the movie come on my ride and you know moving and we're sitting there to see the sci-fi movie I'm all sophisticated and, everything. <laughs> and this thing and we're watching this thing you know and the tension's building the tension's building and then the bus the, the, the chest buster comes out for the first time I'm in my seat and I throw up my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking at me. <laughs> that was the last date I had with her. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and then, and then Aliens came out. I think Aliens is my favorite sci-fi movie. And, uh, and Leon, you you're the best. Like, you totally took it from the sergeant from the Aliens. When they're, they're waking up from hyperspace, yeah. you got this black sergeant comes out, and he's like, you know, obviously in charge. He's the one in charge of the unit, not the, oh, yeah. not the scruffy uh, white lieutenant there. And this guy comes out, and he's like, you know, I love... Uh, Warren, you know, wake up, everybody! Like I love, I love it, love the core. You know, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's something like every uh, what is it? Every meal of banquet, a day in the core is like a day, day, day on the like, farm. Like a day of you know, every meal of banquet, banquet. <laughs> every paycheck of fortune, every every um, formation of parade. Formation of parade. I love the core. Yeah, and so and so, Leon, you, you developed this thing where it, it was so great with uh, the coiling. It's like I, I love coiling. <laughs> day without coiling is like a day without sunshine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every every coils a sunshine. Every every calls a sunrise. Every every turns a sun sunburst. Yeah, every balance. I love the coil. Just <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. yeah. Just before I forget to bring back to Star Trek and uh, and Artemis Night. So we made we made all sorts of like sci-fi drinks, and one was oh, Romulan yeah. ale, which is like it's really cool, really sugary, like, like the recipe that we got anyway. And it's like this glowing blue, awesome looking drink, <laughs> and we were getting hammered playing that game. We were hammered drinking the stuff. And I remember one time Josh and a few others came as a boarding party, you know, like the Borg. And up and aliens came up and we had to like, like stop the game mid thing and like start shooting paintball guns and uh, light, you know, lightsaber them or Nerf gun, whatever. It was great. But, uh, but then, uh, but yeah, so we're sitting there getting more and more you know, intoxicated. And at some point, somebody got the brilliant idea of, of this already 40 like percent alcohol thing they poured in Bacardi 151 and it turned green and it was this now glowing green drink and we called it Klingon clock or something we made it like some name for it for this Klingon drink and I've never seen the crew so sloshed in all my life like people that never get drunk are like passed out by the end of it it was insane it was so much fun it doesn't get better than that yeah that was wild that was a fun night uh, and such, yeah, such good times. But, uh, oh my. Uh, well, anyway, oh. it's good to be back. Um, yeah. You know, after a uh, hiatus where I cowered from COVID. <laughs> and rightly so. Rightly so. I mean, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, I, I, one thing that comes, <laughs> becomes really clear on my back, you know, rusty as hell, rusty as hell. But it's you know the sort of thing you can't do halfway. I mean, you either do it or you don't. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's no in between. You know, you got to uh, just you know stay up top of your game. You know, for not, I mean, not just your safety, but for your crewmates. You know, in the ship. You know, yeah. like that. Um, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it's good to be back, you know, not quite starting back at square one, but, you know, uh, uh, getting the feel for it again. And, uh, uh, you know, I think if I stopped again, I'd, you know, be suffering from withdrawals. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's amazing. No, it's it's been fun. Uh, right now, we're we're taking the Mirwall North to to Maine as we're doing this interview, and and uh, yeah, I haven't been on boats for. I mean, I'm doing whale watching tours and captaining those boats, which is awesome as well. It's different, but awesome. But yeah, it's been almost two years. Mm-hmm. Actually, been two years since I actually sailed the Mirwald and uh, sailed a tall ship. And it's just like, geez, it's like riding a bike. It comes back real fast if you've done it long enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't realize how much I missed it. And it's great here having you guys, just mm-hmm. having the crew. Mm-hmm. Like, we get to let loose and do things a little differently than when you got passengers some, sometimes. But, uh, but man, it does remind me, though. <laughs> do you remember we had, when we were out of Cape May, we had uh, a great sailing. We had a great sailing out of there. But we had that passenger that claims he got bit by a greenhead fly, which the greenheads oh. are vicious. I'm not going to lie. Like they will take a chunk out of you. These these flies in southern New Jersey and the Morris River, and southern Jersey. But uh, he claims he got bit by a greenhead that bit an old wound of his or whatever. And 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 so Josh comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, Johan, we got a medical issue." I'm like, "What's wrong?" He's like, "Somebody burst an artery." I'm like, "Are you freaking serious?" And and I look over and this is and this guy. There's blood, blood everywhere. Yeah. Blood on the side of the the cabin house and, and, and blood everywhere. And and he's got his finger stuck in his his ankle. And I was just like, what what's going on? <laughs> and so that's what I remember. And uh, and and I'm like, Josh, you, you on this? You fixing this up? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, do we, you know, do I need to turn the boat around? Do I need to contact anybody? He's like, well, his doctor's on board. I'm like, what? <laughs> so so the guy had been visiting with his doctor, and they're all drinking wine and having a good time. And uh, I guess between the wine and the blood thinners he was on and this bug biting him, it like just, lucky shot, got artery burst. Mm. And or it was an old wound, so probably the, the artery was, was already compromised. But but yeah, so so <laughs> anyway, and I, I do remember this this passenger, after we had patched him up and secured the bleeding, and, and the doctor's like, he'll be fine, don't worry about it, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, doc. And, uh, and the guy's like, can I have more wine? And I'm like, no, you're, you're done. Captain's orders. You're cut off. <laughs> but, but, but I had to get somebody to clean up the, the blood. And I was like, Leon, <laughs> he loves history. And you've read all these Patrick O'Brien novels, all these stories about how the blood just washes off the, you know, when they're pumping the, the pumps and the salt water comes in and this red, you know, bloody salt water goes over the side. And so I was like, Leon has to be the one to clean the blood. So I was like, Leon, you know, I told Josh, like, get Leon, make sure he's the one cleaning it. And I, and I don't know if this is true. It may be my imagination. It truly may. I do not remember if you had a smile on your well, I should correct that. I remember you having a smile on your face. I don't know if that was real. I don't know if that was a true event, but in my mind, or in reality, I don't know which, you were grinning ear to ear like, as this blood's going over the deck and washing overboard. More than likely I was. Uh, you know, that little sadistic part of me. But, but you know, uh, you know, I'm always... You know me. I'm always happy to be pressed into service, you know? <laughs> and glad to press anybody else I can into service. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, all right, Leon. Well, thank you. I, anything else you want to talk about while we got you here? Oh no, I'm, I'm just fun. Just enjoying, uh, you know, 
being in this historic spot, you know. Yeah. I always like being in a historic spot so I can explore the history. Yeah, we're in Plymouth right now, folks, which is a beautiful town, lots of history, wonderful, wonderful place to be. Yeah, and you know, I you know, I like to do morbid things like canvas the uh graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he was buried, you know. Always looking especially looking for uh um uh, markers that are identi- identifiably uh, military. Okay, yeah. You know, try to look that. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll go to if I'm someplace I have time or something like that. You know, I'll go to the registry to the city to see who's buried where. You know, in, you know, military uh, unit they were in because you know this is how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I was just in a. About a few weeks ago, uh, I w- we were at um, uh, 6th Regiment, was at uh, an annual, um, I think it was in Rahway, uh, in, uh, uh, where they uh, had a, a section of the cemetery um, that they found, you know, the whole, you know, was something like 20. Uh, or something I forgot the exact number. You know, I said coverage, color troops, mm-hmm. which had been grown over, and they um, and they rehabilitated. So they have an annual uh, program there uh, for all the Civil War soldiers buried there every year. In fact, our regiment, we 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 just uh, the city of Trenton uh, uh, just turned over a property of us to us. Um, a, a graveyard site and an adjacent house that we're going to turn into our headquarters and a museum. Oh, great! Uh, where we had there's no headstones there, mm-hmm. but uh, you know the ground. It, what do you call it? Cert equipment that goes through the ground, looks down. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. It's it's almost it's like a sonar, but I'm not sure yeah, exactly. Have identified yeah. burial sites there. We know from documentation. That we have us uh, uh, Civil War uh, United States Colored Troops mm-hmm. bur- uh, uh, buried there in Trenton, so we're going to be taking co- taking over that whole property, um, rebuilt, re- re- renovating the building next door, uh, be doing our historical interpretation and programming from there. Mm-hmm. Very neat. That's exciting. Yeah, it's got to do well, something with my time. You know, I'm off, off the ship, you know. Well, we got to get more <laughs> young folks out there. We got to get more young African-Americans oh, out there. Oh, everybody get Trenton. Get ship back up to Trenton. Yeah. Oh, I, I, well, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> we should. We should at some point. At least we'll know, yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, and hopefully they will. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, um, well, I just hope, I just hope people in general uh, just, I hope they understand, try to learn more about their history and, you know, nobody should be ashamed of their ancestry at no, all because no. yeah. there's, it's, you weren't there. You got lots of ancestors. Yeah. Number one, you weren't there. Number two, you got <laughs> lots of different types of ancestors. Like, like and, they know, were good. They were bad. There was, you, you know, look at this, you know, I, I mean, you know, you're what? 98, to almost 99% you know, DNA is from chimpanzee. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you know, yeah. we, look, look how much, uh, how much we accomplished, you know, with the remaining percentage. 
There's a lot of room for growth. For growth there. So there we go. <laughs> and and there has been growth. I mean, and and there's and and to me, it's like I think understanding, having a more fuller understanding, nuanced view of history, even the good and the bad. I'm not denying the bad ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we should sugarcoat the good either, and just make it all perfect. But mm-hmm. but like even having that greater understanding, it's like, oh wow, okay, so in Africa, like. A lot of the people were in very, you know, well-run canoes and, and or the, I, I don't think they call them, actually, I think they actually were called, called canoes, but like, but like there's a maritime um, history there. They were doing near coastal trade. They were doing river trade. They, they were, Europeans were reliant mm-hmm. on these natives to get the supplies in and out of those rivers. Yeah. They were reliant on them. And, and, we, and, and sometimes their lives depended upon it. Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, um, you need to go back to the sources. Yeah. I mean, exactly. We all tend to be selective in, you know, what we want to know. Okay. But, you know, uh, you know, the it's, it it doesn't help to um uh, to exaggerate or make you know make you know pretend that you know something to be a fact mm-hmm. when you you either don't know or you, or you you can't know exactly yeah but you know, your tendency and you know this 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 is all of us you know reenactors you know that sort of thing you know um, you know we we tend to uh, gravitate. Uh, or accentuate, you know, um, what uh, confirms our own beliefs, like that. Um, but um, history uh, and science, you know, is about um, our best efforts to determine as best we can and as reliably as we can um, what the facts are, what, what, what the truth is. And I think in the long term, um, you're better off in knowing that. It's like knowing yourself. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> you can, like you said, like I said, I got delusions of grandeur, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like that. But um, really looking at, you know, what my limitations are or, or what my potentials are, what my limitations are, you know, and certain realities, and then um, when you have a, a clearer understanding, you know, then um, you can have, you know, uh, take a more realistic course of action, mm-hmm. which is the bottom line to me that comes to, is, you know, actions speak louder than words. Um, but based on, you know, the facts is, is you understand them. And then we all have a conversation about okay given these facts okay and this history okay we could possibly go to here and make good use of that you know a little bit over one percent dna that has (laughs) carried us for so far (laughs) you know and it's it's uh it's so neat. I mean, sorry, just to, to touch on history just one more time, but but like you said, like I find it just, 
it makes me appreciate so much more what mm. everything I have, like air conditioning, lights, like just go on a rough voyage, you know, with none of that stuff. And you're just all of a sudden like, okay, yeah, this, like it, it puts everything in perspective. Oh yeah, you know, I make my Facebook posts, you know, mm -hmm. especially informing people where the, the mocha is to find, <laughs> you know, that's you know, continuing search for a good mocha. Uh, you know, a post, you know, and, you know, the reaction is, oh, yeah, you, you know, just sailing out there, you know, just breathing along, you know, in your retirement, you know, like, you know. Yeah. And um, the, the, the point of me doing this is not, you know, portraying some type of vacation voyage. <laughs> you know what I mean? The point is... Uh, oh yeah, I mean, sailing. There's a reality to this, you know. I mean, there's there, you, there's an environment that you're in, and it's uh, and it's not all about <laughs> coasting along, with being pushed by the by the wind. You know, it's hard work. Yeah, it's you know detailed knowledge. You know, that's 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 the that's the main part. I wish everybody can get to uh, have you know some type of experience on a boat, on a, <laughs> uh, especially a, a tall ship. You know, it's, where people have to work together, yeah. communicate. Um, there's so much you can learn, and I think that's one one of the most valuable experiences you can. Uh, give school kids yeah uh, that that type of experience well I feel the same way about the reenacting like I, I think it, it offers a lot of the same experiences that could also help school kids and, and younger folks yeah we had a, a, a I started a cadet corps years ago because you know I had to have uh, I'm running I'm going home leaving home reenacting all this time you know it's just like a little little bit like to the kids, you know, like this. Uh, I got to come up with some excuse to be able to do this. Yeah. So uh, I take my son and a couple of neighbors, <laughs> neighbors with me and, uh, you know, start a little cadet corps like that and to uh, bring, that, bring that in. But uh, that's that's a story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Leon. Uh, kids, go out there. Join a, join a reenactment group. Find a tall ship. Older folks. Join a reenactment group. Find a tall ship. <laughs> you know, volunteer, whatever. It'll be great. It'll enrich your life and just make you appreciate everything more and, and give you a better view of the world than you have. I promise. Um, thank you, Leon. Thank you so much for doing this interview. Thank you, Leon. Yeah, folks, uh, like I said, we'll have a Patreon up at some point. I'll figure out how to do that. So if you wish to support us directly that way, that'd be great. Otherwise, buy one of my kids' books, Grace Cabin in the World, Grace Cabin in the World 2. Uh, you can find them at greatestcaptain.com. And uh, I'd like to wish everybody uh, fair winds and fallen seas.